And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of Guide to the Grind. My name is Jeff Eady. Joining me today, as always, if I can find him and all the screens are stopped sharing. I think we stopped sharing. We stopped sharing. Fantastic. My name is Jeff Eady. Joining me today, as always, is one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, one of my best friends, the cinnamon to my toast crunch, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today? Feeling crunchy and uh, delicious. Right how about you, Jeff? <laughs> Don't I'm make it re weird. Re Jonathan. Ready for some fun. <laughs> Don't make it weird. <laughs> <laughs> we, we also have the feminine energy coming in the room today. One of my favorite people on this planet, Melanie Money Mama Rousseau. Mel, how are you today? Bringing the feminine energy as much as you want, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Today, I'm really excited to have our guest, Mr. Dustin Heiner. Dustin is the founder of Massive Passive Income, Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, also called RubeCon, and uh, successfully unemployed. He's a real estate investor who was able to make enough passive income from his business to quit his job when he was just 37 years old. Uh, with his podcast, YouTube channel, books, courses, and coaching, he now helps other people quit their job by investing in real estate rental properties uh, to live their dream life. Please welcome Mr. Dustin Heiner. Dustin, how are you today, sir? Hey, Jeff. I'm blessed. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's it's a uh, Honestly, it's a real big blessing to be able to invest in real estate and then be able to, I like the term, successful employee, where I don't have to work for somebody else. I just work for myself, obviously, and being an investor. But then, I mean, I really just go to the gym, hang out with my family, get on podcasts and talk to great people like you three, and just really am blessed to not have to work for somebody else. But thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure. I know we've had some uh, scheduling challenges and the fact that you're in a different time zone and a different country always makes it fun. But uh, you're in one of my favorite places on the planet, Phoenix, Arizona. How, uh, have, were you born and raised there? Wow, you you've been to Phoenix. I love that. So yeah, many times. no, I yeah, I was born in California, Fresno, California, right at the very center, like literally the dead center of California. My wife is from here, from Glendale, Phoenix area, and we got married. She moved out to be with me in California for about 10, 11 years, and then my parents had passed away, and so we thought let's go be closer to your parents. So now we're in Phoenix. I love Arizona. I've been very, very blessed in Arizona. And yeah, I, I'm I'm now definitely wishing I grew up here. But uh, yeah, so we're blessed to be here in Arizona. <laughs> I have hiked the Camelback a few times. Um, actually, yeah, absolutely. It's an awesome, <laughs> awesome hike. I can't believe there's a mountain in the middle of the city. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it pops up in the middle of the city. And once you're on top of there, you could literally see like 360 panoramic views of the entire thing. It's beautiful. You know, uh, weird aside, because I just love, I love Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale specifically, that's where I spent all of my time. Uh, one of my mentors and Jonathan's, we've both been down there quite a bit, is Michael Burnoff. And uh, he's, uh, do you know Michael? No, I don't. No. Uh, but he's he's a pretty phenomenal guy, but he's got a, a large group of people that he works with uh, in the Scottsdale area. And i uh, been there a bunch of times, but the, a funny aside, my, my dad and I kind of reconnected after many years. And... Um, he had he showed me a picture of himself wearing a black shirt and khaki shorts at the top of the camelback a year to the day uh before that i had the same picture of me in a black shirt and <laughs> khaki pants with the same <laughs> facing the same angle in the camelback weird weird anyhow moving on dustin um 
one of the things I love to cover when I'm talking to people here is understanding your origin story. We're talking a little bit about all of this stuff uh, beforehand and, and, you know, starting over and, and all that stuff. Was it a straight line to go from working for somebody else to working for yourself? Wow. So no, absolutely not. In fact, it's more of like, I don't even if it wouldn't be a U-turn, it'd literally be like a 90 degree turn. So I'll, let me quickly walk you through a story and I'll share with you what catapulted me or just shoved me to into being a coming a real estate investor. So all my life, I was taught just like all of us are taught. You go to school, you get good grades. Then you get those good grades. You go to college, you get in thousands and thousands of dollars in a debt and you get more good grades and you hopefully get a piece of paper. It's called a degree. And then you go around to other businesses and see if you can get a career. Well, I'm following that. That's something that I was taught. And so I literally started doing that. And then I started working for uh, a local county government in California. And But quick, quickly pausing that, I had always been entrepreneurial. I had always wanted to be my own boss. My dad was a uh, contractor. He has his own construction business. So I thought that'd be good to do something like that where I'm, I'm my own man. And so I had a, at 13 years old, I had a newspaper route. That's where you drive around with, on a bike, ride around on a bike with newspapers in your bags. And you throw them at 5 a.m. and bang them on garage doors, waking people up. I had that. I created a graphing website design company all through college. The next one, I created a skateboard manufacturing business, pedaling around store, store to store, selling them. Then I even created a uh, convenience store and pizzeria all from the ground up, all while I was working a job because I thought I needed to do the career thing, but I also like business. So I did buy in that time, I bought one rental property. I bought one property because I thought, I, man, this could be really, really good. I bought that property and I kid you not, the first check came in. It was a passive income check. I didn't do anything. I bought it. Other people did all the work and it was like 315 or $317 or something like that. It was, it was awesome. $317. <laughs> and I thought, I need more of these. Like I didn't do anything <laughs> and I made money. Well, I knew I wanted to be an investor, but life got in the way. You know, my career, quote unquote career, trying to work um, for the local county government. My wife, I got married. We started having kid after kid after kid. Life got in the way. Yeah, I and saw so four I of stopped. those. I just did. Yes, we have four kids now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're very blessed with the four kids. Thank you. Well, I got to say, my wife is amazing. I have the easy job of making money. She's got the hard job of homeschooling and raising the children. So I'm really, really blessed with her. So Here's the story of what shoved me into real estate investing. So I'm working for a local county government, try to find the most secure, risk-tolerant job ever for a government in California, which that's those two things are going away, and technology, trying to work with technology. So technology is not going away. So I'm figuring this is the best job I can ever get and be stable. So I get this job, working there 10, 12, 13 years. My wife and I start having children, and I went on, or my wife had our fourth child. So she had her fourth child and I went on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and bonds with the baby and all, you know, runs the store and gives her food that she wants. And so I did that for about two weeks. And then that week, I, after that two weeks is over, I go back to work. And in that week that I get back to work on a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary, like the, the top dog. She calls me and says, Dustin, would you please come to the office, the boss's office? I said, sure. Uh -oh. And I hung up and I paused for a second. I thought, what in the world could they be calling me about? Like, this doesn't sound good. I've seen plenty of movies. Friday at 3.30, this isn't very good. But then I, I started remembering a couple months before I went on paternity leave, there was some rumors or some rumblings going on that there could potentially be layoffs in the county. 
And I immediately shook that off. I said, no way. I've been following this path that everybody told me. I've had the most stable, secure job I could ever think of. I have plenty of seniority. I've been here 10, 12 years. Everything's fine. So I get up and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's, it's kind of short. But every single step that I take, the hallway gets longer and longer <laughs> and longer. And it feels like my feet become lead bricks because it's starting to dawn on me and weigh on me that I could potentially lose my job. Well, I get down the hallway and I turn the corner and I see my boss's door. His door is closed. And I see a secretary there, super sweet, nice old lady. And she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she's grinning at me, kind of sheepishly grinning. I kind of try to console me with her eyes because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. So I go and I take my seat and I sit down and I start thinking about my life, this career path that I've been told from the beginning, I need to follow this. If I get laid off right now, was that all a waste? Did I waste my life doing this? And then I started thinking, oh my goodness, if I can't provide for my family, does that make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a, as a man trying to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because the weight of everything is crushing down on me. The door to my boss's office opens up and out walks a lady, a coworker of mine with a piece of paper in her hands. She is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you can tell her world has been devastated. She walks by me. My boss says, Dustin, would you please come into the office? So I get up and I go into the office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. So if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. Now, this is the reason why I tell you the story. Well, let me get to that in just a second. So I go back to my desk. I walk down that short hallway go sit down on my desk just after getting laid off. And I realized two things sitting right there. The first one, I realized that I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. So I was really, really blessed, praise the Lord, to be able to find another job in the same county, a different department, wasn't having the same issues with the money. So I was able, I was blessed to transfer over there. Check, got that taken care of with my family. The second thing, sitting still in that chair right after getting laid off, this is the reason why I tell the story. I want, I realize that I need to make sure that this never, ever happens to me again. I need to make sure that nobody has the ability to take away my ability to feed my family. So right then and there, I realized that whenever I would be asked the question, we all get this question, what do you do? Like Dustin, what do you do? I would easily reply, I work for the county. I do IT work at the county. Well, I'm basically projecting my value as being in my job. No, my value doesn't come from my job. My value comes from my God, from myself, and from my family. So right then and there, I told myself, anytime I get asked that question, I am going to respond because I knew I needed to be an investor, but life got in the way. Right then and there, I said, I will tell everybody I am an investor. Now, I'm a full-time investor, and it may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my part-time job. I am a full-time investor. I'll fast forward the story. So started working in this new county department, started buying property after property after property, each one making me $250 or more in passive income. So that's the minimum. I have some making me three, four, five, six hundred $600 a month in passive income. After 30 plus properties, I realized, my goodness, why am I working here? I don't need to work here. <laughs> so I'll round out the story by sharing. I was working at this new county department, great boss and all, but I went to my new boss after working there another like three or four years. It took me about six to seven years to eventually quit. I went to my new boss at all. I said, hey, boss, I'm laying you off. Like, here's your two weeks notice. Here's all, <laughs> Dustin, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't have to do anything. I own real estate. 
it makes money for me without me even working and I'm done. So the last part of the story is, do you remember that short hallway that got longer and longer and longer when my feet became lead bricks? This last time I walked away from my job, I worked in downtown. I'm too frugal to pay for parking. So it's a mile and a half walk. I've done this walk a thousand (laughs) times. I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew I would never, ever need a job again because of the real estate investing. And I also realized at that point that my value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. And so everybody listening, you need to realize this. Your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. And this is how you'll know this. Your boss is paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money that takes money out of their pocket. So if you got paid what you're worth, you would they, they would go out of business. So I took my future in my own hands. And now I'm blessed. Now I have 40 plus hours of my life back to spend with my family, to build more businesses and invest in real estate. So I'll pause the story because you probably got lots of questions. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I'm, I've been writing these down just so, so I don't forget them because holy cow, there's a lot there. Um, first thing I'm seeing, you know, just, just the beauty of the clarity of purpose that you have. How did you achieve that clarity of purpose? The clarity for me was literally when my ability to take a, my ability to feed my family was yeah. taken away from me. And that was a huge wake up call because just like all of us, we think the most stable thing is to get a job. And I thought, well, what's more stable than that? Working for the government. <laughs> so with that, I, cause I always thought, okay, being a real estate investor, that's risky. And most people that I coach and teach and I talk to, they say it's risky to be a real estate investor. And I said, Believe me, it's more risky putting your life in somebody else's hands, anybody else's hands, mm-hmm. as opposed to putting it into your own hands. And then the sky's the limit from there. Now, I literally have four, no, five businesses now that make me money on top of my real estate investing because I have so much more time in my life. But it, it all started with me realizing, man, life is, well, number one, life is short. We all know that. Time goes by so much faster the older you get. And then, when you are not able to provide for yourself or your family, that's a huge wake-up call. So it wasn't there, there wasn't really a process. It was just a moment in time where it was like total flip. Oh, that's, a, that's a great point. So in a sense, yes, that was the flip, but no, it was also a long process because remember, I've been entrepreneurial. I've been reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a great book. And so mm-hmm. I always thought it'd be great to be an entrepreneur, but I'm still following that path. I think one day I'll get there. And so I always thought, thought entrepreneur is a way to go, investors a way to go. So I'm going that direction. And if it hadn't been for me taking those little steps, you know, buying that first property to having these other businesses, realizing that's possible to not work a job and still make money to provide for myself and my family, I wouldn't be able to say, I know what I need to do now. I am an investor. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't already make all these gains, all these little along the way to be able to say, this is what I'm doing now. Just a quick I, I, shout out. So, sorry, Jonathan, I saw in your resources uh, section, just because it's sitting right in front of me on my, my desk is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. One, one of my favorite books. books I've ever read. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I've done it I, at least six or seven times, the How to Win Friends and Influence People yeah. by Dale Carnegie. Amazing book. Yeah. Sorry, I Jonathan. Ab- Go ahead. Absolutely love, absolutely love your story. I mean, as you say, it's, you, you weren't. Thanks, man. I, I mean, that that's the biggest what do you want to start here? That's, that's the biggest thing I'm seeing is that you, while you got your job, you were still, it's like 
you weren't sitting there going, well, I got my job. That's it. Let's just sit back and I'll, I'll, I'll rest out the next 30 years. You were, you were working on what's next. So when something came up, you were, you were not in a position where, Oh no, what do I do? I got nothing. And that's, that's what I see with the biggest, the biggest trap. I mean, I, I like to call it, I don't know if I ever really referenced it on here, but the middle-class trap people get into where it's kind of like, I got this job. I got this house. I got all these payments. I, that's the only thing I've got. And so I'm sort of stuck in this situation. Um, I mean, I'll say kind of fortunate. And, and, and I, I mean that in that your life kind of got turned upside down on you. Uh, but I mean, it's fortunate two things. Number one, that it got turned upside down because it's got you thinking, all right, that's not the way to go. Let's change my perspective. But also fortunate that, that you had been doing work beforehand to actually be able to move forward. That's, that's incredible. Thanks, man. And you know what's also it really oh, one quickly thing to share because you brought this up or the idea in my head, Jonathan. So getting laid off or fired can be one of the worst days of anybody's life. Now, after I've had that happen to me, I realized it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it woke me up. And I've shared this with a bunch of my students. I coach a bunch of people how to invest in real estate. They're all building their own businesses and it, some of them even quitting their job. It's It's awesome. But with that, one of my students says, Dustin, you losing your job was the best thing for all of us. Like we wouldn't be here if you were, because I would still be working for the government if it wasn't for that. But every time I have somebody tell me, well, Dustin, I want to quit my job or I just lost my job, lost my job or something about having that taken away. I, I tell them this is going to be the best thing for you because I know their their moms, their their aunts, their, everybody's telling me, oh, no, go get a job. The world's going to end. I'm like, no. Let's pause. Let's see what you can do. And I kid you not, a quick, quick story. There's a pastor friend of mine. He decided it was time to move on from this church that he was at. He wanted to become a public speaker. He wanted to start businesses and he resigned. He said, it's just time for me to resign. And he didn't have anything like he was, he just felt called to do this. I said to him, because everybody else was telling him, this is the bad decision. I said, I am so excited for you, for your skills and what I know about you. Let's do this. I'm going to help you walk through this. And now he's been uh, successfully employed for like four years now. He now started his own church. Fast forward now. It doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world if you know what you're going to be doing from that point forward. And you have a right attitude. You change your mindset and say, I'm going to make this the best thing. Necessity or uh, uh, yeah, necessity is a mother invention. And that's how you get better is if something shakes you up and you're like, how do we get better out of this? And, and you know, I, go sorry, ahead. <laughs> I just the, the the saying on your shirt. You've got all over your shirt. The sec successfully unemployed. I love that. Yeah. And and a big reason why I love that is what are if you go around the headlines going around today talking about employment and how people aren't making enough and but it really comes down to if you're relying on and it goes back to what you said before if you're relying on somebody else to pay you for what you're truly worth it's not going to happen. You really got to think. Yeah. You you do need you do need a job at certain points of your life because ultimately you need that to provide the income to get other Absolutely. things going so it's finding that balance of yeah i need this for this reason as opposed to i need this and this will basically dictate what i'm doing for the rest of my life this will help get me forward and and i look there's different type different reasons to take a job part is hey obviously you need the money but also mm -hmm. If you're taking a job, look at the experience you can get from it. Don't look and say, what am I making? What can I learn? Who is it going to connect me with? And ultimately, what, what's your journey going to be? Mm -hmm. That's absolutely right. Now, I, I've heard the term, somebody says, well, I like the term unemployable. And I thought, 
that well number one that sounds that comes across pretty arrogant number one but i'm not that arrogant so that's just it's it really grabs me but the other thing is i would pay warren buffett to work for him i would be employed but i would pay him because of the networking that i would get the knowledge just being around him like being around somebody not that warren buffett is just one example pick any like uh, uh what's uh musk you know be i'd pay musk to work for him be around him every day because i would gain so much so i'm not unemployable that's darn that's for darn sure but i found a way to make money to provide for myself and my family without working for somebody else that's huge. I think I think language is extremely important. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of times people aren't aware of the language they're using, and I find it very very defeating. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin, let's 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 move to the next stage here because I really want to know how you broke out um, from that job. Obviously, that we have the origin story, but the the point uh, or the part where you start investing that that leap from just okay. So we hang on couple of things. One, you said you had one property while you were working and you didn't really realize what you were doing and it happened. How did you get into that one first? So that first one, really in a nutshell, Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he said business and investing. And I said, well, I have a couple of businesses, you know, like the skateboard manufacturing business, all that sort of stuff. Very small business, made a little bit of money, nothing that I could uh, really hang my hat on. And with that, he said, I, he, Robert Kiyosaki said, I own real estate. And that makes me money. I'm like, I like that idea. Plus my dad was a contractor. So we built houses. Like I like houses. Let's try that. So I bought one house. I actually, I'll quickly go into, I did it the wrong way. I followed what those gurus say. So I, it was back in 2006 when I first started investing. I was watching, silly me, watching <laughs> TV late at night. Yeah. Those late night infomercials at like 2 a.m. And it comes on and says, hey, we're coming to your town. We're a free seminar. You come and you're going to. I went to those. I, bu- I was like, yes, let's do that. I went to that free seminar. It was all hype, all sales pitch. And they said, now run to the back. It's normally a billion dollars for this program, but it's only a thousand dollars right now. You go and do So it was another two day seminar. So I did that. I paid a thousand dollars, ran to the back and do all that. And then it was next, a two day seminar, another sales pitch for their $50,000 plan. Yeah. Like uh, rental properties, $50,000, flipping houses, $60,000, wholesaling, 80,000. It was just like more money. I was like, I can't do this. So what I decided to do was if I'm going to do it, well, number one, I didn't have the money. Number two, I had a wife that would say no. But number three, I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to try it on my own because I don't have the money. Anyways, fast forward. I actually flew to Ohio. So I invest all over the country. I lived in California at the time. Now I currently live in Arizona, but I flew to Ohio because prices in 2006 in California were crazy high and I couldn't rent it out to make enough money, but I found Ohio. Don't ask me how. I just literally through eBay. There's a house, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, I'm going to fly there. In fact, my wife said, my wife is the most um, risk averse person I've seen next to her parents. Her parents are so risk averse. They're, her dad was a teacher. Her mom was a stay at home mom. And like, don't do anything. They never try. Anyway, so <laughs> I had to convince my wife. And she said, well, if you're going to do it, you better fly there and you better see everything. You better do all that. I'll pause this and say, I don't do that anymore. I literally invest in states and cities I've never been to. Just So we build businesses and that's how we do it. But with that, I flew there, saw the property manager, found a uh, um, realtor, put them together and bought a property. But I followed what those gurus said. And my property manager started stealing from me within six months. Now, if mm. I would have given up, I would not be sitting here today. But what I did was I realized that even though she started stealing from me, 
I was following what the gurus will tell you. Let me give you a quickly broad overview of what the guru says, but they'll, they'll tell you this, but quickly forget it because I want to give you the wrong way. So, because it'll help you to understand the right way. So the wrong way is they say, find a property anywhere in the country and then run the numbers. That means, you know, make sure your expenses are lower than your income from your rents. They say, you'll get $50, maybe $100, but you'll get appreciation, which you're going to love that. I'll pause this and say, I don't invest for appreciation. I invest for passive income and cash flow. I will literally give these properties to my children as generational wealth. So Mm -hmm. with that, getting back to the wrong way and how to do this, run the properties, make sure you're making a little bit of money, passive income, you'll get appreciation. Then they say, then spend thousands of dollars to buy the property, then spend thousands of dollars to fix up the property and then find a tenant in there and then find a property manager. Well, in my opinion, that's just about backwards. I did all that. Like I said, my property manager started stealing from me within six months. What the, if you follow this path, You'll do this entire thing, spend all this money, and then go around and call property manager. Hey, property manager, here's my here's my property. Here's the address. Would you manage it? It's happened many times before, and I've heard from lots and lots of people. The property manager say, "No, I would never manage that. I'll get shot if I go into that neighborhood. No way. You don't have an asset anymore. You have a liability." So what we do? So that's the wrong way. So forget that. But the right way is building the business first. Because remember, my first property, I learned the hard way. But I've always been entrepreneurial. So I said, let me approach this with a business mindset. So with the business mindset, I said, there's got to be a way because I'm not the first one to do this. People have done it before. There's got to be a way. So I approached it with a business mindset for my future property. So enable to scale to 30 plus properties to quit my job when I was 37 years old, I had to build a system and a business that I was able to continually put more properties into the business. So I can go into the right way if you, I want to make sure you guys didn't have any questions before we go into the right way. Um, I just no, want to know. I'm, I'm just sitting here like this. <laughs> yes, I, I just want to know what's next. <laughs> I can jump right word, into Dustin. the right way. Okay. So let me jump into the right way. Because remember, I've always been entrepreneurial and I approach this with a business mindset and that's how I started winning. So now let me give you the right way before I give you anything else. Here is the right way. The right way is to build the business first. You'll hear me say this all the time, like on my podcast, YouTube channel, like how I coach, I always tell them build the business first. A lot of my students, they'll jump right into, hey, Dustin, I found a city that I want to invest in. I've already got five realtors sending me properties. And I say, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Realtors are the last step of the process. They are not the first step. The first step is building the business. Who are you going to get to manage that property? It would be bad if you bought a property and then you couldn't find somebody to manage it. Then you have an asset that's now a liability and you have to manage that now. So here's the right way. First way is we find a city that has good inventory. Actually, let me give you an analogy of what that looks like. So if you're going to start a convenience store, you guys know a convenience store, you know, candy bars and soda machines and all that sort of stuff. Well, if you're going to start a convenience store, you are not going to sign your name on a lease for a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars there on the ground. No, you wouldn't do that. You go out of business in like two seconds. But what you would do is you would build the business first. You get the gondolas, the little shelving units to put all the candy bars on, the countertops, the cold storage, bank accounts, cash registers, employees, all this sort of stuff in the business before you buy any inventory. Same thing with real estate investing. We build the entire business and then we buy inventory. Your property is not your business. The gurus will tell you, you buy one property, that property is your business. No, 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 no. Our business owns inventory. 
Every property that you buy is another piece of inventory that you put into the business because the business has the systems and processes and procedures that run so that you don't have to do it yourself, but you that's how you are able to scale by putting, buy another one, putting in, buy another one, putting in, buy another one, putting in. That's how I was able to scale my business. Now, let me quickly walk you through. Well, let me do this. This is how I scaled my job. I'll walk you through the actual process, like the property manager. I'll, I'll walk you that in just a second. But here's how I scaled to quit my job. I asked my wife, I said, hey, honey, how much do we need to make every single month from our business or our investments so I can quit my job? Like, what are our expenses? What do we need to cover? And I remember the number as plain as day, $4,200, $4,200. And then they'll cover mortgage, insurance, you know, food, all that sort of stuff. I said, okay, well, if I have one house that makes me $250 a month in passive income, well, that's $3,000 a year. That's great. It's just very simple. Let's multiply that. If I had 10 properties making me $250 a month, that's $2,500 a month in passive income, $30,000 a year without working, 20 properties is $5,000 a month. That is $60,000 a year without working. And I realized all I had to do was scale, buy property after property and keep building a business. Now I'll quickly go into and walk you through what it looks like to build a business in your real estate investing so that you're insulated with a business that runs itself. So the first thing, is we find a city anywhere in the country. Now, I also have Canadian investors that invest in America with me. They say, hey, would this work in Canada? And would it work in America? And I said, it'll work in both places. As long as somebody has the ability to buy a house that somebody else can rent, this will work. So what I love to do is I love to teach principles. So I'll give you principles. The first principle is we find a city anywhere in the country. In fact, we and all my students and myself, we don't invest where we are necessarily. We, we can but we love finding other cities that have better inventory, the right type of homes to buy that are the right price that we could rent it for where we could make $250 a month in passive income. So we find a city that has good inventory first. It'd be a bummer if you found one city that had just like two properties, you bought one of them and you can't really scale your business from there. So we find good cities that have lots of inventory, the right type of homes that either people want to buy or rent. Three, here's a criteria that I have. Three bedroom, two bath, 1,200 to 1,500 square feet. We want homes that people either want to rent or buy, but cookie cutter type homes. Those are perfect. And then here's the, here's the key that you can make $250 or more with the expenses minus out or subtracted from the rents. That's our passive income. That's what I feed my family on. So we find a city that has good inventory, lots of inventory that we can buy. Then we pause looking at properties. We don't even talk to realtors. We don't talk to anybody about properties from there we hire, hire, find. We, we don't really actually, when I say hire, the reason why I kind of say that in, in a way is they don't get paid unless they're making me money. So I'm not like hiring them to go do work. I buy a property, they make me money, then they get paid. So we find the next thing is the property manager. That's the very first thing. They are the experts on the ground that literally live in that city. Just like if you're going to start that convenience store, you're not going to open the doors and grab somebody who's literally walking on the street. Hey, you got a pulse. Come on in, manage my money manage my inventory, manage my customers, manage my employees. No, you wouldn't do that. You would actually interview them. So this is what we do. Inventory first. Second one is we look for experts. The first one is our property manager. I clear every single property before I bought it or buy it with my property manager. I say, hey, property manager, how much will this rent for? What's this area like? What is the clientele like? What's the vacancy factor? Like how fast do they move out? And how much can I rent it for? And will you manage this property? If they say, no, I won't manage the property. I'm like, well, oh, back to the drawing board, find someplace else. Because 
they are the experts. Like there's websites called Zillow and Truly and Realtor.com. Those are not experts. They're just databases that put numbers together. Who are the experts? It's the literally the people that live on the ground. I'll give you an example of what a good property manager expert looks like. Say, hey, property manager, I'm thinking about buying this house. How much can it rent for? All that, you know, the list that I just gave you. With that, he'll say, he or she will say, you know what? I know that street. In fact, I have a house two blocks away, same exact size. We were trying, Zillow said it was going to rent for $1,400, but we can only get $1,300 for it. That is expert insight into the rent rate. And so you're looking at this expert told me that if I ran my numbers at 1400, like Zillow says, I would actually be cutting into my passive income because I can't rent it for that. So inventory first, then the experts, the property managers, then we find mortgage brokers, mortgage brokers, people like, like Jonathan, like we need money to be able to buy these properties. Mm-hmm. Now I will pause this to say, I personally have used 14, maybe 15 different ways. Here, here's some, uh, some strategies that obviously cash, private money, hard money, regular loans, commercial loans, bundle loans, portfolio loans. I've even used signature loans, going to the bank and say, Hey, can I get an unsecured line of credit? Oh, here you go. Sign a name. And boom. I've even used a credit card to buy properties because it's a business. If you realize this, that you can buy a candy bar for 50 cents and you can, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that you could rent or sell it for a dollar. Well, if you don't have any money, you can't make a business. But what if it costs you 25 cents to borrow that money, that 50 cents to sell that kind of bar for a dollar? You'd be making 25 cents every single can. I would borrow all the money that I could to sell that because it's a business. So what we need to do is realize as we're building a business, it's inventory first, then who's going to manage the property? Then how are you going to fund the property, find property uh, uh, mortgage brokers, finding the right people to actually fund the properties. From there, we look for inspectors to make sure that they're going to be doing the, you know, inspecting the property and make sure it's going to work right. Contractors, roofers. I love handymen. Handymen are fantastic. Wholesalers are fantastic. Those are the ones that find deals and try to sell it to you as opposed to being a realtor. All that to say, there's so many things that we need to do to build into the business before we even find a property. Once we have that bit business built up, that's when you can scale your business because it is already running on its own. And we can get into systems and processes and procedures, but that's that's what it looks like. We build the business and then we buy inventory and that goes into our business. Mm. Well, you answered have, the six questions I was going to have. So I'm going to scratch those off. I have a question. I'm curious about knowing why a property manager would not manage one property. It wouldn't be that it, it, because you're bringing that one property, say, this is the address. Look at this in through, you know, Google uh, maps or whatever. Mm -hmm. Look at that address and just the property that you look at, let's say it's that specific area of the town that is not the best area. In fact, they don't want to manage there because the tenants are bad, meaning like it's the type of clientele, they move very fast or it's, there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of reasons why property managers would not manage a certain area. It's not that specific property. It would be this side of town or this street. Like I've even had property managers say, yeah, property managers say this street is actually a good one. I would manage it, but like two streets over, I won't manage there. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's kind of interesting because just a little bit like pro tip, crime moves. So you never know if it's going to move in or out. So just kind of keep that in mind because I've been investing since 2006. And so I've seen a lot of stuff and I've, I was talking to my property manager back in like 2009, 10. I started buying in a certain area and it was, the crime was like in the opposite side, like the Southwest and I'm investing in Southeast. Well, over 10 years, it's kind of shifted and said, Hey, this side's starting to get a little bad. I'm like, Oh man, I picked the wrong direction. I should have gone, <laughs> gone north. <laughs> that was my second question. How do you deal with market shifting? 
right? Because I mean, as we see it now, market is shifting here in Canada. I don't know in the US, but um, you know, you're talking about inventory, but obviously you cannot buy 30 property all at once, or perhaps you can at this moment, but when you start, you know, you do the best you can doing your homework to see the inventory is available, but it could shift, right? So how do you deal so with that? So the shifting that, yeah, the shifting that I'm concerned about, and honestly, I'll be completely honest, the only shifting that I'm concerned about is crime because that affects tenants. My yeah. tenants, I want them to be safe. I don't want them to have liability. I want them to get hurt. That's mm-hmm. the only shifting because you hear realtors say this, the, hey, th- there's a rule. It's location, location, location. I'm like, no, it's not. Not for me as an investor. Uh, yeah. it, Ohio, I will never live in Ohio, but there are so many people that want to live in Ohio that love living in Ohio. So it doesn't matter. Remember, I'm not buying a house to live in. No, 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 I'm buying sure. a house for business, for inventory. Now with that, with like, let's say people also say, well, what if, you know, businesses are moving out or, or they're moving in or all that sort of stuff. I'm like, what we do is when, and this is how I was protected in the crash of 2008, 9, and 10. I made so much more money from that time, which I will say. Uh, but no matter if the market goes up or if the market goes down or the market goes sideways, I still make money from day one because I do not buy a property unless I can make $250 or more in passive income. And you guys know rents only go up. They only go up over time. And some people say, well, Dustin, you know, if there's a recession, won't rents go down? I'm like, well, here's here's my experience. Back in 2008, there was a recession. Housing market crashed. Sadly, a lot of people lost their homes that were buying. Well, what does that to do for the pool of renters now? Well, they can't own their home, so they have to live somewhere. They're going to rent at houses that I own or other people own. So demand goes up. Supply is the same. Maybe I'm buying more because you know it's turning from an owned house to a rental property. But rents go up. I made more money in 2008, 9, and 10 after I bought the property because rents went up. And then in, even in COVID, with like the 2020, I've made so much more rents. I, the properties I bought back in 2006, 7, 8, I'm like double the amount of rent that I'm making. It's just amazing. So we buy it day one, making sure that we can make money in passive income. And from that point forward, it, like I said, I'm going to give these properties to my kids. That's, that's in, in a nutshell what I'm going to be doing. Amazing. I love that. Let me ask you, Dustin, have you ever been in a situation where the wheels came off and how'd you handle that? Oh, that's a great question. The first one was when my property manager started stealing mm-hmm. from me because I didn't know what I was doing. And that was, that was really rough because I had no clue what was going on. My wife said, you got to fire. I'm like, but, but I, maybe she's not, she's, you know, what, 2000 miles away. Anyways, <laughs> the hardest thing was because I didn't know what I was doing. When she, when she was uh, stealing from me, I realized that I needed to find a, I need to do it the right way and hire the right property manager. So here's a tip that most business owners should follow. I think all business owners should follow. We hire slow, but fire fast. So you hire slow. You make sure that that's the right person in your business before you hire them because it's, it's not fun to get rid of them. And it's kind of hard to also get rid of them. It, you know, it's heart-wrenching. You, I don't like firing people. That's not something I want to do. So we hire slow. So what I did was, even though she was still stealing from me, I knew because I'm a business owner, I'm like, okay, let me make sure I find the, a good property manager. So I started interviewing. And this is how I put this into my business. And how I realized what we do is we create a business. And now this is a system that I you know, teach all my students. We interview many property managers. Cause I'll be completely honest and say, 
there's, it's so easy to get, get, I don't have a hat around me, but I get a hat, put it on and say, I'm a property manager now. It's so easy for anybody to say that, but to find the good ones, you're going to have to do a lot of digging and to find the best ones, even more digging. And what we do is we interview all of the property managers multiple times. And here's a tip. Texting is not interviewing. Emailing is not interviewing. Phone calls are interviews. If you can be one-on-one, that's great. They're pretty busy like Zoom. I almost guarantee property managers are way too busy to jump on Zoom with you, but phone calls, they'd be able to take a quick phone call. But we interview, we ask the right questions. In fact, I have a list of, I want to say it's like 22 or 25 questions and answers of what they should reply that you need to ask your property managers. And when we're interviewing, you interview them multiple times over, let's say, a one or two week span. And here's the big thing. So people might ask me, well, what's what do you look for in a property manager? So mm-hmm. number one, the biggest one is that and this is start. If they can't do this, then everything else is out the window. Communication. Now, trustworthiness is second. People might say that might be first. Well, you can't get to the trustworthiness if they can't communicate with you. So the first one for me is communication. Now, think about this. If you're trying to call up a company, any company, and say, hey, company, I want to give you my business, and they don't call you back for like three days, this is before they have your money. Imagine if they have your money. Oh, this guy, again, I'm not going to answer that. That's not what you want. So I always want, I always talk to my property managers. I say, is a 24-hour turnaround enough time for you to get back to me in whatever, if I call you, can you call me back in 24 hours? Is that, if that's not doable, then I'm going to move on because this is my money. This is how I provide for my family. It's how we eat. You need to be on top of that. So number one, communication. Number two is trustworthiness. So that leads into, you know, communication leads into trustworthiness because you can actually talk to them and see what they're about. References are really good. See what all the next one would be um, experience. Do they have enough properties? Do they have people as a team or are they have not necessarily a fly by night, but are they a lone person? That is, you know, what if they go on vacation? What happens to your property? So there's a lot of other things, but those are the three main things. So we got communication, trustworthiness, and experience. One other question. How much coffee did you drink this morning? <laughs> so, here, okay, I got to tell you this. So this is actually really funny. So here's my coffee. I it's about up to here. So it's a full, what, 22 ounce, what a class. It's decaf. It's literally oh, decaf. Gosh. This is just my personality. <laughs> Oh, I know, I know. Great energy. It's amazing. <laughs> well, there's, there's, I, I, there's, there's, um, I realized, well, that, that's my personality. Number one. I just, I'm, I'm enjoyed. I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy helping people, but at the same time, it's, it's not that real estate is amazing, which it is, but it's yeah. what affords me to do in my life. Like I literally get, I don't have to go to work. I go to the gym. I hang out with my wife and kids and talk to great people like you it's, it's enjoyable to be able to do this. Plus it's also helps that my personality leads into this type of energy. So a lot of people now, so I also have my own podcast called the master passive income podcast. And with that podcast, I, I mean, I'm blessed to have a lot of people listen, but at the same time, I bet there are thousands of people who say, Oh man, this guy is annoying. He's too much energy, which is fine, <laughs> which is totally fine. Cause I, I can only be myself. And so I'm not going to change because this is just, I, I can't act any other way. Well, I have to say your your passion totally comes comes through when you're talking and it's absolutely amazing. I I love talking to folks like you that know where they're going, but they have that real strong drive to do it. And, you know, you've reached the level now where you're not just an investor, you're teaching other people. You want to talk a little bit about the courses that you offer and and all that stuff? I know you've got a free one you'd like to offer our guests. Yes, I would love to give away a free one. So here's what happened. So I'm an investor. I told you guys from the beginning, that's what I am. I'm an investor. And then as I was quitting my job, 
I had friends and family members, people from work and from church, friends from church saying, well, Dustin, how are you quitting your job? And I would say, oh, I invest in real estate. I buy rental properties. The second question came like clockwork. Everybody asked this, can you show me? I was like, okay. And so I started showing people one-on-one because I enjoyed it. I realized, okay, I want to help them. But then I realized I enjoyed it. So fast forward after helping lots and lots of people, I said, you know what? I enjoy this. I've got so much extra time. Let me start doing something else. And so that's what, you know, wrote books and podcast and YouTube channel called Master Passive Income, like all this stuff, just giving this out because I've seen that the more people that I serve in my life, the better my life gets and the better other people's lives get. And so fast forward now, Master Passive Income, my, my real estate investing to Master Passive Income, I have so many students now that are changing their life that we all meet on Zoom. And so I'm kind of jumping to my real estate wealth builders conference. I had all my students say, Dustin, we want to get together. We're friends on Zoom. Like we're friends and friend investors. Let's get together. Let's do a meetup. Can you put together a meetup? And I thought, oh my goodness, that's, that's a lot of work for a, just a meetup. But what if I put a conference on? What if I get more speakers? What if I get my friends? So I have, I have lots of friends that are podcasters, YouTubers that are real estate investors from land investing to storage and all this sort of stuff. I said, let me call all them and see if we could put together a conference that just provides more value. We could serve more people. So fast forward, March of 2022, this, this year, we actually had the first Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, 200 attendees, 25, 28 speakers, uh, sponsors and everything, a blast. So we're not developing a conference. We're developing a community. When I first started investing, and I'm sure you guys would absolutely understand this, there wasn't podcasts back you know, 15, 20 years ago. There wasn't YouTube channel. This is all new. And so when I first got started, there was no community. And so what I decided to do, let's build a community. So in 2023, it'll be in Phoenix one more time. And then we'll probably go to the East Coast in 2024. But we're developing a community. So fast forward now, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference with Master Passive Income, it's a perfect pairing because all I want to do is help people. And how can we get more people to learn how to invest in short-term properties, to long-term properties, to syndications, you know, capital raising, all that sort of stuff. Let's put it all together. But let me quickly get into, I would love to give all your audience a real estate investing course you know, just for free. Literally for free. So, um, so with this, so we can text the word. Well, it, if it's in Canada, you might not be able to text it, but it's three three seven seven seven. So if you text the word rental R E N T A L to three three seven seven seven. That's if you, I think can, Canada doesn't necessarily work, but if you're in America, but you could also go to Master Passive Income, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. All one word forward slash free course. I'll literally give this to you. It will walk you through how to build the business, how to find the right areas of the countries to invest, how to scale the business to where you're making $250 a month, scale your business to quit your job. I'll just give it to you. And so what's actually really great is, so when I, my goal, when I was, uh, I think it was 27 years old, I said, by the time in 10 years, I want to quit my job. That's my big lifetime goal. Well, I was blessed at 37 years old. I was able to do that. And then for about a year, I was kind of floundering around. I was like, I don't have a goal. Like I'm done. Well, I need to create a new goal. So I created a new goal that I wanted to make a million dollars a year. And I, I kid you not, I got so bored and annoyed at that goal after about six months. Like money doesn't drive me. It's not something that like, it was like a deterrent. I was like, oh, this is not fun. It would be great to have a million dollars a year, but it's not something, we have plenty of things that we don't need anything else. With that, I said, I need a new goal. Let me shift that. Remember I said, I love being a servant. I want to serve more people. My new goal is to help 1 million people become financially independent through investing in real estate. And so oh, now yeah. from, yes, exactly. <laughs> my podcast, I feel you. channel, 
I, I'm that's my goal is to get 1 million. I don't know how I'm going to quantify that, but that just helps me to just keep like, what can I do to shoot, to help more people? You know, that that's huge. Uh, my mentors along the way, they're like, you know what? Money is, is awesome. Uh, but once you get past a certain level, there's only so many dinners you can go out to so many vacations you can take before it, it just becomes routine and you need something to actually fulfill you as opposed to chasing some monetary goal. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's amazing sure. to hear that. Um, Dustin, I know uh, uh, I don't want to keep you past our time here. We have a, a, a certain amount. I want to say thank you very much for coming out today. I really appreciate um, working with me to make the scheduling happen and all that stuff and the different time zones and all that. Um, Glad to do it. Melanie, is there anything you want to uh, say to wrap it up? I mean, uh, honestly, like this was very insightful. Um seeing your drive of helping and serving others to do that. Like, I think all of us have that in common that we know real estate. We've been investing in real estate. We know what it can create and passing it forward and sharing, you know, the do's and the don'ts and your experiences and your trueness and your energy. Honestly, like I feel so blessed to be part of this group. Um, Be part of the guys. (laughs) (laughs) this is incredible so thank you so much for sharing all this beautiful information and i know that there's millions of people out there that are already inspired to take this step thank you thank you you, melanie jonathan final thoughts no dustin just love your energy i mean it's it's just a a true pleasure uh, just speaking with you this morning and and hearing everything you got to say i mean you are you you you're, you're like a beacon of light out there so thank you so much thank thank thanks for bringing that in thanks for joining us on our podcast oh, thank, today thank you so much for saying so jonathan i really appreciate it man amazing thank you so much dustin we really appreciate it this has been amazing for us one more time how can people find you totally so i have my own podcast called the master passive income podcast and it's really just me this is a solo show i rarely do interviews it's just teaching how to do this master passive income on youtube just search master passive master passive income um you can also find me on instagram instagram's fun um the dustin heiner and i'm sorry i'm not that arrogant it's the only thing i could find the t-h-e <laughs> dustin heiner and you'll usually see me wear the successfully unemployed shirt and uh but yeah you can find me in those ways but i love just just help people out so yeah i really appreciate you guys having me on the show now we 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 super appreciate it. This has been amazing for us. You, yeah, I feel inspired to be honest with you. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. If you uh, like what Dustin had to say, shoot us a like. Go check him out um, at uh, uh, sorry Master Passive Income on YouTube. Of course, successfully unemployed as well. Guys, thanks so much for uh, for your time today. If you want to know more about what we're doing, check us out at GuideToTheGrind.com. Have a fantastic day, and we will see you next week.